folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Football Insider. Matthew Collar here and joining me covers the Vikings for Sports Illustrated, Will Raggetts. What's up, Will? Not a whole lot. Just uh, another Friday before a game and uh, maybe the Vikings will win one of them before before too long. Do you want to start out with that? I've got lots to get to here with Daniil Hunter news via his own social media and then confirmed by Mike Zimmer. But do you we usually end a podcast with, hey, do you think they'll win? But how about we start with it? Do you think they'll win? Um, I don't know. I don't even know how to answer that. This is such a weird year. And I thought they were going to win in week two, and then they were horrible. And then I thought they were going to lose last week, but I had kind of a weird feeling that they might win because that's kind of what they do when no one expects anything of them. Then they suddenly play well, uh, and they did, but of course they found a way to lose the game. Steven Goskowski made six field goals. Um, it was a whole it – was, it was actually a pretty entertaining game at least. But this week I don't even know because the Texans are 0-3, but they've played the Chiefs, Ravens, and Steelers, which are probably the three best teams in the AFC. Um I still think they've got a lot of talent on offense, and then they've got Deshaun Watson. So with no Mike Hughes, it doesn't even really matter who's back there at corner for the Vikings right now. They're all young. They're all probably going to get burned for six of eight catches for 80 yards. Um, So I don't know. I I could see another fairly high-scoring game. I don't know how losing a a day of practice is going to affect things or if that will affect things with that whole um, Titans coronavirus scare this week. But we'll see. I – what do you, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think that uh, well, I'll throw this stat out there if I haven't mentioned it on the podcast yet because I ran the numbers and used the quarterback rating calculator. And when opposing quarterbacks are throwing at Vikings corners, they have a 135.6 quarterback rating. So basically, 
they are way better than Patrick Mahomes when trying to throw at the Vikings' corners. They are having a ton of success so far. I don't think that that changes a lot, even though my respect for whatever's left of Brandon Cooks isn't that high. Will Fuller is good. Randall Cobb is not a scary wide receiver. But if you forget to cover someone entirely, as the Vikings have each week, uh, including Khalif Raymond last year, uh, I'm sorry, last week, then you give up giant plays to pretty much anybody with two legs. And I don't see that changing with this week, that Deshaun Watson is terrific at throwing down the field. And even if they start to perform a little bit better, you're still talking about big mistakes that lead to huge explosive plays. I don't think that that's going to change right now. Maybe by week 12, they'll have that somewhat figured out, but I don't think it's going to change week four, especially with the shortened practice. And I think we're looking at another shootout, which is, Okay, and this is what I was trying to say right after the Tennessee game, is strap yourself in and enjoy the ride. And if it's crazy each week and they lose to Seattle 42-36 or something and they lose to Deshaun Watson 38-31, at least it'll be fun. And probably that means Justin Jefferson has played awesome. And I kind of think that's how this is going to play out, that the Texans will win, but you'll still walk away going, well, Justin Jefferson had another 100 yards, so you can't feel bad about that one. Yeah, I think we could see plenty more of those games, although I am worried that there might be some more Colts-like performances mixed in there, given what we've seen from the interior offensive line and uh, what, we, what we've seen from Kirk Cousins both this year and in the past with just randomly having those atrocious games where, I mean, he has six picks already. He probably should only have, like, three, but um, I think they're still going to play Drew Samia this week. If he lines up against J.J. Watt, that could be uh, a, a disaster. I mean, will be a disaster, so... We'll see what happens there. I, I think there's going to be a mix of some of those shootouts, and then the Vikings might also lay a few eggs on offense because I'm not totally convinced that they uh, are going to be really good on that side of the ball every week now. Um, but we'll see. Uh, with the wide receivers, it's going to be interesting because, like you mentioned, Cooks and Fuller and Cobb, none of those guys are, are stars. And that DeAndre Hopkins trade obviously was horrible. But – those are three guys that are NFL caliber receivers. They're all pretty fast. I mean, maybe not Cobb at this point, but, but Cooks and Fuller can stretch a defense. I asked Harrison Smith just now about uh, the speed of, of, of those receivers and how, what, what they might have to do to prevent guys from getting over the top, which we've seen from Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Alan Lazard and Khalif Raymond last week. Um, and he kind of said that all receivers in the NFL are fast, which surprised me a little bit considering he was a former teammate of Laquan Treadwell. But, <laughs> wow, <laughs> you know, <laughs> got him. But I think that's, that's a legitimate concern that these Titans have, the Titans have fast receivers. Um, Deshaun Watson can move around. He doesn't have a great offensive line either. He's been sacked 13 times. Only Joe Burrow has been sacked more. But Watson's going to move around, and he's going to take some shots, and – It'll be interesting to see if the Vikings can avoid giving up some of those big plays. I am excited to see Cameron Dantzler this week uh, back for the first time. I think people have kind of forgotten a little bit about how impressive he was in training camp because the one sample we've had in the regular season was that game against Aaron Rodgers where he actually had a decent PFF grade. It was like 60 or something, whereas Gladney and Hill and Hughes have mostly been in the 40s. But, I mean, he gave up a few big plays that stand out. But I'm excited to watch Dantzler this week. I I think Gladney in the slot is a better spot for him. Um, Maybe Holton Hill will show some signs of life eventually, but we'll see. 
Yeah, I think that what has the potential to happen here is that if Cam Dantzler plays well, then when Mike Hughes returns, which he has not been placed on IR, so I'm expecting that they didn't yeah. think he was going to be out more than this week, I guess. that's what Because now you could put guys on IR for just three weeks, which, I, by the way, as an aside, like way better, and I'm sure the teams do, Definitely. than having to put guys on for the whole season or half the season. Um, this is a better option to have it be like a DL in baseball. And I don't know why this hasn't happened before. And I hope they keep it this way. And I'm sure teams do too. But um, when Hughes returns, assuming that he does, then I think it might be Holton Hill who's the odd man out because he's the one who's had several years of development. There's no, hey, but he could. All he needs is a little of whatever. It's You should be performing at a much higher level at this point, even a couple of games into the season. So with Dantzler and Gladney, those guys have ceilings that they are far away from. And with Mike Hughes, you really just need to find out, can this guy play? play and do you want to go forward with him and to even miss two weeks is a pretty big setback for a guy that's had so many injury issues before but now and I saw your tweet and uh, I'm going to embed it in my article that I'm doing because it was perfect of just the combinations of corners it's been different each week I mean how hard is it to develop these guys when hey uh, Jeff Gladney uh, guess what you're an inside corner now we know you were an outside corner before but we really don't have anybody and Chris Boyd gets in the game and he does okay and then okay now he's out so it's just uh, well doubtful technically but uh, it's been such a cluster bleep with the corners where it's hard to even just say hey guys go in there Play your hearts out. You're going to have some tough times, but develop. It's just been throwing them in and out into different positions, and I don't think we have a good sense or will have a good sense after this game for how far they've come in the first quarter of the season. Yeah, I definitely agree with that assessment that when Hughes returns, and it's a little concerning that he's now missed two straight games with the neck injury. I know Zimmer said, I believe it was Zimmer who said it's not related to the neck injury, that the broken vertebra that kept him out of the two playoff games last year. But given that history, it's a little concerning. And But, yeah, the fact that they didn't put him on IR, hopefully we'll see him back next week against uh, the Seahawks. But I think once he does come back, yeah, they're, they're going to keep Gladney and Dantzler in there because those are your two rookies. Those are the guys that you want to get a good long look at and hopefully start to develop uh, for next season and, uh, and beyond. So given that, that Hill has struggled, I, I think – you, you, that's that's going to be the three that you see once Hughes comes back, considering both of those guys are 2018 guys, Hughes and Hale, but one's a first-round pick, one's an undrafted free agent. So you're still trying to figure out what you have in Hughes, and, and Hale can, could be a good depth piece going forward. I was a little uh, discouraged by these first few games because I thought Colton Hill had a good training camp. But, yeah, it, it's been kind of a mess. They're fourth different trio of corners in as many weeks, so – Hopefully by mid-season, by later in the season, we, we're, we're locked in on, on the same three every week and we can start to see some progress. There's just things that keep happening with Holton Hill that shouldn't be happening by year three. Just, you know, the, yeah. giving up um, third down and seven where he's playing too soft and not attacking uh, after a break, not knocking the uh, heck out of Phillip Rivers when he had a chance to take him down and, and even just send a little message there. I mean, it's it's just been way too easy for opposing teams to, to target someone who's supposed to be coming along. And so I think he's on the edge here. And I'm much more interested to see what Cam Dantzler can do. And I think that probably the coaching staff is getting there too. Uh, All right. So we're both on kind of the same page with Houston wins a shootout. Now the Daniil Hunter issue, 
um, something stands out to me right away with this is that Daniil Hunter said something on social media to tip everyone off to where he was and essentially what he's doing in terms of getting a second opinion. Now, that right there is unusual because Mike Zimmer is very, very adamant that players do not reveal what is going on with them in terms of injuries to the media or to the public. And he always has been very aggressive on this point that he does not want uh, he doesn't talk about injuries to the media when we ask him. He certainly does not do it honestly when he said it was a tweak. And I don't believe him when he talks about Mike Hughes' injury not connecting to last year. I, I, yeah, I can't say point. for sure that I believe him on that because he is simply just not told the truth when it comes to injuries. And the fact that Daniil Hunter would kind of hint to everybody, hey, look, here's what's going on, is interesting to me because Hunter has been around long enough to know that that would not be something that goes over particularly well with his coach. Yeah, that was interesting. I mean, the thing you're referencing on Thursday, Daniil putting the uh, kind of a video of him in Times Square in New York City, uh, and, and Zimmer said today that he's seeking a second opinion on what I believe is a herniated disc in his neck or some, the, I know Courtney Cronin had some a more medical term that she tweeted today, but um yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, it, it seems like something obviously that's more serious than a tweak, but I'm sure we'll get into this. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a doctor. I have no. <laughs> I have no knowledge of what this means for how long um, he needs before this starts to heal, or what the pain management is like, or, or what. Um, but it seems like something that, at the very least, is going to keep him out until week six, seven, or eight, and potentially. And I. I wrote about this and tweeted about this in the past. Like if they keep losing, I don't know that there's much incentive to try to bring him back. If there's any sort of long-term risk. I mean, this guy is probably the best player on your team. He's still only 25. It would be a, an unfortunate break for him to miss an entire year as when he's, you know, potentially chasing all time sack records and in Vikings history and things like that. And just a very competitive guy who I'm sure wants to be out there, but I don't know what your opinion on this, but it seems like if, if this is something that continues to linger, I don't know if there's much reason to, to kind of have them come back. Well, what I hear when I hear second opinion is surgery is what yeah. usually is connected to second opinion is probably someone told him, and I'm entirely speculating, I have not seen anyone say this, but usually when those words come up, someone has told you you have to get surgery and then you go to someone else to see if they agree before you do it. And if that has to happen and he has to miss an entire year for long term, his neck to be in a better place in the future so he can come back in 2021 and be the same Daniel Hunter, then if you're the Vikings, you encourage him to do so. If you're Mike Zimmer, I'm sure that that really upsets you because you probably wanted him back for this game to chase around Deshaun Watson and for you because coaches just have an entirely different mentality and it's the reason they really shouldn't have any involvement in injuries at all because they're yeah. always going to push guys to come back and there have been some conversations about this being an issue at times with Zimmer pushing guys to come back. But um, just circling back to Hunter, if he has to miss the season, I think all of us from an objective view can say, who cares, right? I mean, yeah. give, give Afadi Adenabo as many shots as you want. He had a really good game last week. Let's see if he can continue that and get comfortable playing all the time at that position. And then maybe you, you know, keep him around or he gets a – Yeah, you keep playing DJ Wanham. You keep seeing right. if, if Jalen Holmes is worth the second contract, maybe, things like that. I think – 
the the attitude on that has probably shifted a lot in the past just three weeks uh, from beginning of this season. Everyone was panicking about Hunter and when can we get him back and, and how obviously how important he is. Now you lose three games and of course fans are fans. They're, they're all over this, the tank for Trevor stuff. And I think nobody would be too upset to not see Daniel Hunter come back given yeah. that it probably means the Vikings defense is going to be worse. Want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get all of your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. If you have not seen it yet, you've got to check it out. A couple of my favorite designs are of the purple people eaters and the hooked on a Thielen look for all of you fans of a particular Detroit Lakes native receiver. All their apparel screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You'll love it. We're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. Use code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That's SodaStick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesesteak Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are also still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food will be on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of more than $15 when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And you get to find out along the way, which is kind of the story of this season, is finding out along the way who can play, who you're going yeah. forward with, who's a draft bust and who might be a hit, all those things. And if DJ Wanham shows he could play at all, then maybe you have a situational rusher there. Uh, you know, if Afadi Adenabo shows he could be a defensive end, maybe – I'm not saying this is going to happen, but maybe you reconsider signing Yannick Ngakwe long-term or something like that. Like, a lot can change as we go forward, but I see no reason at this point, unless you were talking about and they might not have the benefit of this much time to make a decision, if it is a surgery or something like that. Um, but if you were talking about this team getting hot, winning four games in a row, and all of a sudden they're four and three. Let's say they just shock the world and, and beat Seattle. Crazier things have happened. Um, not, not much crazier, but I'm not yes. predicting it. No, but <laughs> I'm saying crazier things have happened. Uh, there was a Houston team just a couple of years ago who went 0 and 3 and then made the playoffs. So let's just say then maybe you'd be talking about Daniil Hunter potentially changing his mind if it is not a surgery-related type of thing. I just wonder about the other sort of like, I don't know what you call it, like lingering element of all of this is, is Daniil Hunter happy with his situation here, including his contract? He's not the type of guy to say it. I don't know if his agent is the type of guy to come out and say it or, or leak it through Adam Schefter, but we know this. Daniil Hunter is vastly underpaid. And what yeah. led to DeAndre Hopkins being traded by the Texans is he was vastly underpaid and he wanted to be paid like a top receiver. And they said no. And I think, I mean, the Vikings have just said yes to everyone when it comes to money. So we assumed that they would say yes and rework something with Hunter. 
But if that hasn't happened or those talks have not been approached or if there's any tension there about his contract, that could add into where this ends up going. Yeah, so maybe are you putting on the tinfoil hat a little bit with, little bit. Uh, his, with his post from New York and maybe some some discord there? I, I'm not too worried about that just yet. I think, like you said, the Vikings have such a tradition of, of paying guys like that, and especially Hunter, who, I mean, there's zero off-the-field concerns. He, he doesn't even really say anything. He's, he's a model guy, a teammate, just works super hard. I think if, if they feel like he's under bay, and he is under bay, I think that something will get worked out there. The one other last thing I'll, I'll touch on with this uh, that you alluded to a little bit is how, the, is how it works with, with Ngakwe. And I think part of the reason he might have been sold on coming here was playing with Daniel Hunter and having that, that elite edge rusher tandem. And he talked uh, before the season about, like, when you talk about edge rusher, he wants people to talk about Daniel and Yannick. And that, if that pairing never comes together, if Hunter misses the whole season and I'm sure Ngakwe didn't come here anticipating playing for a 4-12 and team because he just had the opportunity to do that the last couple of years in Jacksonville. Uh, I wonder if that affects his opinion on staying in Minnesota long-term. Maybe they could sell him on, okay, this year sucked, but Hunter's coming back next year, and you can actually have that, that duo if you stay. And this defense is growing, and some signs of improvement – I think will need to be showed. I don't think this team's going to go two and fourteen. We've talked about this, yeah. but if if you if they can get some positive momentum and kind of sell him on having a, a big season in twenty twenty one, which I think the pieces are in place to do, then maybe you you sign him to a long term deal, which was the reason to give up a second round pick for him in the first place. But I do think there's a, an outside shot that maybe he's kind of fed up and he's like, I didn't come here to to lose. All right, I'm going to hit free agency and and go somewhere else where I maybe my quarterback isn't going to be Kirk Cousins. So real quick on the tinfoil hat, Daniel Hunter, it's the mm-hmm. Vikings. You have to discuss all potential avenues. That's, uh, that's all I'm saying. A lot of speculation there, a lot of like pushing the edges of what could be going on in terms of speculation. But uh, just having seen some of these things play out in the past, the Sharif Floyd thing coming to mind for me, you just, sometimes there are things working behind the scenes that we don't really know out front. And so we have to kind of wonder, I guess, aloud. So I'm, I'm putting that all under the speculation category, not the sources are telling me. Yeah. So I just want to make Important disclaimer. Right. Uh, Now on Ngakwe, I was asked about which players the Vikings might trade at the deadline and the obvious names, you know, Anthony Harris, Riley Reef, potentially Kyle Rudolph, if he wants to go chase a championship with somebody, but Yannick Ngakwe is sort of interesting. If they went to Ngakwe and said, so next year, how are you feeling? And he said, well, a, I'm not playing on franchise tag, so don't even try that. And (laughs) B, Uh, I'm going to be very expensive and I'm not sure I want to actually sign here now. I mean, if somebody calls you up and says, we'll give you a second round pick or a first round pick for Yannick Ngakwe, I guess it would have to be a first and they'd have to be desperate. But if that happened, he's the guy that I put in terms of the most interesting to watch here because he was already unhappy enough to force his way out of one losing situation. Would he be again in this situation? Uh, It's definitely worth, worth thinking about. I mean, he, he's uh, just over these past few games, he's shown how good he is. There's no doubt about that. And, and there was never a question about that based on his, his four-year track record. But these last two games, I mean, he has such a crazy ability to get the ball out. Andre Patterson was talking about it. He has, he has two sacks already, and he hasn't got the quarterback on the ground yet, but he's gotten the football out twice. So I can see potentially a team that feels like maybe they're one edge rusher away 
from having a really, really good defense. Off the top of my head, I can't think of who that might be down Seattle down the is who I think of. Seattle, but, yeah. I mean, they, that, they traded their first-round picks, though, for uh, Jamal Adams. But, okay, but, that's true. But, you know, and players or other picks or whatever if Ngakwe is unhappy. So a team like Seattle, though, who can't pressure yeah. the quarterback, desperately needs someone. It's an inspiring contract. Like, I, I don't expect to happen. I think you always want to – as general manager, you want to look like you won the trade. So if you trade yeah. for somebody and then trade them right back out of here for less, you look like a fool. So they can't really do it. But you mentioned just how he might perceive this, Yanni Kangakwe himself, and that's yeah. the extra wrinkle that's thrown into it. Yeah, if, if he, like you said, if he gives kind of those indications that maybe he's not thrilled with how this is all played out, then maybe the Vikings could be convinced to do something. Otherwise, I don't think they would want to just for the optics of it and just because he's really good and salary cap problems are, are, are going to arise, but I think it's worth probably paying him instead of paying like Anthony Harris, for example. So that could be interesting. I don't know if a, if a team is going to give up a first round pick for him when he was just traded for a second, but I guess a late first and what's going to be an early second for the Vikings aren't that far off. Um, so yeah, that'll be very interesting to watch. Um, but for now we can just, we can just enjoy watching him and uh, hopefully see if he can take down Deshaun Watson a couple times as we go. Yeah. I get, yeah. I, it just comes to mind if you're if you're KC or something and Frank Clark gets hurt, you know, yeah. you start looking around and go, well, any year we have Mahomes, we can win the Super Bowl. So maybe we would do something like that. But that's a little ways off, as you mentioned. Now here's a, a question, just sort of in a, in a broad manner for you. A lot of players that the Vikings have drafted and tried to develop have just been bad in these first few weeks guys who are getting their first real opportunities hey this guy's getting his big old shot and he's really excited in training camp and do 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 so far in the first three weeks that's been the story for a number of players on this team so which player that fits that description guy who's getting his big chance turns it around and which one definitely does not turn it around are we talking just rookies here or not, no, not just guys rookies, over the past few years? Yeah, I know. I said, I said draft picks. I should have mentioned, I should have meant like recent draft picks. So okay. you're, you know, Jaleel Johnson's of the world who have kind of been in waiting your Jalen Holmes and then yeah. finally getting playing time that they never got before. And now here they are. And, and, and you could throw in rookies too, if you want for this. Yeah, I think I think I'll probably stick with a rookie there and, and go with Dantzler. Uh, he's only played one game, but it, it was as as we've mentioned, he had some of the, the kind of highly publicized struggles against Rodgers and the Packers. I still am really high on him. Uh, out of all the cornerbacks, I mean, even over Gladney, what we've seen so far, I think Dantzler might have the brighter future. And and that was kind of there were hints of that in, in training camp, just with his size. Uh, his length and his instincts and what he showed as a cover corner at Mississippi State. So I'm really high on him. Um, I, I, I don't know if Garrett Bradbury counts. I think he's, he's, he's struggled a little bit, but he, I think I'm, I'm still high on him is what I'm trying to say. I think he's shown some better signs uh, in pass protection so far, which have been encouraging. He hasn't been quite as good in run blocking weirdly, but uh, as he, as he was at times uh, late last year, but I think Bradbury, it's been overall encouraging. I know that the PFF grades still aren't super high with him. But I would say those two, I think, are going to be important pieces down the stretch of this season. As for someone who I'm maybe more out on, I think Jalil Johnson is an easy answer. I mean, I just haven't seen it. 
from him, really. And I think he's kind of just a placeholder guy at defensive tackle right now. And you're going to get Pierce back next year. Shamar Steffen's actually been weirdly good this year at nose tackle. Uh, I know he gets a lot of crap, but he had, he had a good game uh, against the Titans, including the batting down a pass and then tackling Tannehill after he caught his own his own uh, pass. So, yeah, I think that would be one guy I would say who I don't have a lot of hopes for turning it around. I mean, Drew Samia, I don't, I, has looked kind of hopeless. I mean, I, he doesn't, he doesn't look like he can play in the NFL, and that that seems a little harsh. But no, I agree. When you when you give up 11 pressures in two weeks and you have a pass blocking grade of like six, I mean, that's just one point. His technique, yeah, it's something like his technique has has just not been there. He's been like leaning forward too much or whatever. I'm not an offensive line expert, but I've read some some stuff about it, and he just. He just hasn't looked good. So I, I'm curious to see if Ezra Cleveland gets a shot uh, on, a, on a similar vein and sometime soon and how that all works out with, with the guards. If, if with Elfline coming back, if you would uh, have Cleveland go in for Dozier or how, how all that would work. But I think Samia and Johnson have not shown much. And I'll go with Dantzler and, and Bradbury as guys who I still think are, are, are going to be really good, even though they've struggled a little bit at times. Okay, let me correct that. It was 1.4 last week, 6.6 overall is his yep, grade yep. out of 100, which is mm-hmm. astonishing. Like he's, I, he's dead last in in PFF overall grades for guards and dead last in pass blocking grade by about 15. I think he's, he's 6.6, and I think second lowest is about 21. So I might venture that a 30.5 grade over 119 snaps might be the worst grade in the NFL of any player at any position. I would have to check. Yeah. But for 100 snaps to be that poor, I mean, that's like the worst week of your life ever as a player is usually something like a 30, and he has done that over two weeks. That's very and I, and I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt after the Colts game with DeForest Buckner and just – the first game being in there. But the fact that we saw it two straight weeks, I know Jeffrey Simmons is good too, and the Titans have some other good interior defensive linemen. Jadevin Clowney was, was lining up inside sometimes. But, yeah, it hasn't been good. I, I think this is kind of – I'm assuming he, he's starting again this week. I think this is kind of his last chance to show even that he can do anything. Yeah, I think that they should just pull the plug and go with someone else. I mean, it would be – yeah. usually when someone looks like this, that's too far away to fix the issues. And I do happen on the show to have a weekly guest offensive lineman who is an expert in Jeremiah Searle. That's true. And that's true. him breaking down the tape. Jeremiah sent me a few videos just throughout the week of, of him watching the tape. And he was talking about on the last podcast, there are simple, basic rules – of being an offensive lineman that are missed there. So it's not just high level stuff. Oh, this guy hasn't played before and you can make that mistake. It's how did you not know that one? That kind of thing. Yeah, it's this, like, how did, how were you a fourth round pick type of questions? Right. I saw, yeah. I saw Jeremiah Searles tweeted the, uh, that he, at the Vikings that he can still play a little right guard. It's been funny. <laughs> like, you know, you're struggling when like Jeremiah Searles and like Captain Munnerlyn are right. tweeting like, Hey, can you, we're like 38, but, we could probably do better than some of the guys that we're watching. So yeah, I think that's, not a, that's not a great sign for a team. He's at like 280 or something these days. I don't, I don't think he's quite uh, yeah. ready to come back. But I do think if they played Brett Jones there at that position, or even Avian oh, Collins, yeah. it would be a huge upgrade. And I'd be willing to do that right now just for the health and safety 
of uh, Kirk Cousins if I were them. So he yeah. would be my answer toward I think it's hopeless. The Garrett Bradbury one is interesting because there's a different conversation between can he be an okay center in the NFL and what you paid for him as a first-round mm-hmm. pick. And when I was just looking, I was just counting up, there's only a handful of players who the NFL pays to be a center. Like, it shows you that it's one of the least valued positions other than running back. It's probably the most replaceable where you can go into free agency and you can get a guy who will rank 15th to 18th by PFF and be average and fine. And if you draft a guy in the first round, he better be Mitch Morse. Like, he better be Darmani yeah, Dawson. Like Travis or, Frederick or, or something like fan. that. Yeah, tra- Travis Frederick, Alex Mack. You better be one of the best players at that position. And if you are not, then you have wasted a draft pick because those guys are kind of everywhere. Journeyman centers. Joe Berger was here. He was a journeyman center. For a year, Pat Elfline was pretty good at it. It's just – it's not that it's – an a super easy position. It's just that there are guys who can do it. And so you paid a huge sum when Debo Samuel, AJ Brown were there and you knew your number one receiver wasn't happy. I know Andre Dillard is hurt, but that's a left tackle. Like these, these things are where there's questioning a draft pick that didn't work out and saying, why didn't you see it? And then there's just the position you drafted. If that is a monster home run, then you have failed. So I think I agree with you that Bradbury can play better I don't know if he's ever going to live up to that draft status. I'll tell you my biggest disappointment is Armand Watts. Man, I was yeah, on the Armand yeah. Watts bus. I was, I was uh, up front ringing the ding, ding, like, uh, I'm, here I come. Armand Watts is going to be a star. And mm-hmm. yikes. I was, in the, I was in the back. I, was, I, I had a seat on that. <laughs> what has I happened was... there? He, just, it has not, he hasn't looked like a guy who can start in the NFL. Yeah, it's been it's been tough because he he looked really good in that Bears game week 17, and I think maybe that kind of got us a little ahead of ourselves yep. with with talking him up. And um, I, the coaches were saying good things about him too, though. And he and that wasn't the only game where he had done some nice things. I mean, I think the Cowboys game, yep. he got in and did something. The Seattle game, he had the, the the batted pass that led to the Harris crazy pick six. So he, he was an easy guy as like a late round rookie going into his second year to kind of talk up as a potential contributor. That might've been a little unfair given that he was a sixth round pick just last year. I mean, he's basically like same draft status as Chris Boyd, who we weren't talking about much this year. And like Marcus Epps, who was, who wasn't, didn't even last the whole season last year with the Vikings. So yeah, I was high on him. I, I really, I haven't even noticed much about him so far. Um, it's it's tough to kind of focus on the defensive tackle play mostly, and I've been looking at like Shamar Stephan and Julio Johnson a little bit more than, than than Watts. But yeah, I just haven't seen much. I mean, he hasn't popped on on tape. He hasn't made any flash plays just to the naked eye while watching the game. I mean, there's been no TFLs or, or pressures really or anything like that. I think he'll continue to get a, a bit of a chance going forward. But yeah, the, the state of that defensive tackle position, we already knew was a little rough, but Hercules Madafa hasn't shown anything. Mm-hmm. Jalil Johnston doesn't look like a starting three-tech, obviously. So, yeah, Michael Pierce coming back next year can't happen soon enough. And way too early, I think, to be talking about this, like some Vikings fans want to, but there's some good uh, defensive tackles in the draft next year. Marvin Wilson from Florida State and uh, Christian Barmore from Alabama are two names that I've, I've heard of. So, okay, I have to tell uh, you. We'll, have to tell we'll, you wait, we'll wait a while for that. 
Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Maybe at some point they'll get some Vikings fans in the stadium to see where this team can go with their young pieces, but it doesn't appear that's going to happen anytime soon, so you'll watch it from your couch, and Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championships, futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today, take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, let me tell you about the rules with that. So there are rules now on the podcast that if you're going to bring up the draft or something with 2021, you have to enter the 2021 tunnel. You have to mention, okay, I'm tunneling to 2021. That's where you go down in the tunnel and we can talk about it. And then we come back up to the season and what's going on. So you just went down in the tunnel and you just teased the draft coverage from April that we're going to have. But that's, (laughs) but that can be done as long as you acknowledge that you were in the tunnel. So just letting you know for future podcasts that we'll do. All right. Before we uh, wrap this up, I have, how well do you know the Texans questions for you? Are you ready for these? Because the last, I don't know if it was the last time you were on, but once in training camp, you demolished all of the questions about players that didn't matter from training camp. You knew what every guy's, I don't know, favorite cereal was at that point, and it was almost <laughs> concerning. But uh, how well do you know your Texans, I think, is a little harder. So let's yeah. start this. This is going to be tough for me, especially compared to, to that last one we did. In Texans history, they have all of six leading passers ever, okay? okay. Just six. Can you name all six Houston Texans leading passers in franchise history? Uh, and okay, what so I mean six is six people a, have led them in passing yards yes, in a I season. I mean for a single season, right. Yep. Okay. So Deshaun Watson is easy. Um, Matt Schaub is easy. Mm-hmm. I assume did David Carr do it? Oh yeah, because he was he was highly drafted. Yeah, they gave him uh, number one overall pick or something. He did it for five years, and the funny okay. little factoid about that is they only got out of the top or only yeah into the top 20 one time in yards as an offense with David Carr as their starter so and now David Carr is just known for defending his brother on the right. internet right. um man, though I might only get those three I because because Schaub had like the early part of this decade yep Yep. Now, and I can help Watson. you here. There, with, there, was there somebody between Schaub and Watson? There were three quarterbacks between Schaub and Watson. Oh, okay. In 2014. I was thinking then before Schaub. Yep. Okay. 14, 15, um, 16. And you know all three. These are not randos that you wouldn't guess. These are guys who are all journeyman backup quarterbacks, or in some case, yeah. journeyman starters. So um, yeah. one of them. I can think of, like, 
like TJ Yates probably didn't. It's do a it. great guess because he won a playoff game, but no, he did win a playoff game. I remember. One of them is a current starting quarterback who is, let's just say, his personality is very popular. Current okay. starting quarterback, huh. placeholder, um. personality very popular. Let's just say he's a he's a very bright guy. Oh, oh, Fitzpatrick, right? Yes, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay. Yep, that was there 2014. The bright can't help me there. Yes, 2015, okay. this guy also played uh, for the Cleveland Browns as a starter. And oh, Brian Hoyer. That's right. Yeah. And this other guy, famously, uh, he's got a ring, Super Bowl ring, as a backup okay. quarterback just a couple of years ago. He beat New England on national TV, filling in for another uh, future Hall of Fame quarterback, he was very tall. Oh, Brock Osweiler. Yes, yeah. Brock Osweiler. Yes. The, he, the hints were a little too easy, but they were I appreciate it. A little aggressive. Them. Yeah. Um, but I was going to uh, guess like AJ McCarron or whatever. Like he's I think he's, he's been a backup. Current player. backup. Yes. Did Did Case Keenum ever play for the Texans? He did. Yes, he, he did, did not ever. Yeah, I know he played in Houston in college, but he's yep. okay. Yep. And so one time he played for Houston, got picked up off their practice squad by St. Louis, and then got picked up again by Houston in the same season or something like that. Uh, okay. So it was a wild ride for Case in Houston, but he never led them in passing. That's a, that's a good Okay. Point. So it's so it's Carr, Schaub, uh, Fitzpatrick, Hoyer, Osweiler, and Watson. That, that's right. All right. That's I should have got Brock Osweiler. I remember him being on the Texans. His, I. Him against the Vikings. Six five or whatever he is. Six seven. Him in, against the Vikings twenty sixteen is the most scared. Yeah, I've yeah. That's that's I, that's why I should have remembered it because that was I I believe that was the was that the week four week five game when they were still undefeated and everyone was like this seems so good and then yep. they went eight and eight. Yeah. Week five to go five and zero. Oh, yep. And T.J. Yeah. Clemmings got demolished by Jadavian Clowney, which is still happening uh, with yeah. the offensive line. All right. So um, I want you to tell me. The leading rusher, this is a little in the weeds, so if you don't get it, we can move on to the next one. Leading okay. rusher after Arian Foster the following season. So Arian Foster finishes up as being his last season as the leader for rushing is 2014. 2015, do you remember who took over? Because the guy has a great name. Who took over for Arian Foster as the leading rusher of the Houston Texans? The only reason I would be able to think name. of this would be like fantasy football. Is it – well, okay, you're saying memorable name. The name that comes to my mind is Ben Tate. That's close. That's You're in the ballpark. And Ben Tate okay. – Ben Tate did have a season leading them kind of in between when Foster was hurt. But this guy yeah, – I, um, yeah, I can't think of that one. There's uh, – Paul Bunyan's ox is what color? Blue. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. What is the what is the guy's name? Alfred Blue. Alfred Blue. Yes, yep. he was their leader. I, sh- I should have known that. He, he was. I use. I'm sure Alfred Blue's been on a fantasy team of mine at some point. I'm I'm sure of it. Uh, who is their leading receiver all time that is not named Andre Johnson or DeAndre Hopkins? Now I think we might be getting to. I don't know if I even have a. I think you. I think you can do this one because it comes up now and then with Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak's oh, okay. favorite person in the whole world. Huh. Um, he followed Kubiak all over the place. Like, uh, Kubiak was with the Ravens, and this guy just shows up with the Ravens. Oh, yeah. Um, not a receiver. Oh, not a receiver. Not a receiver. Okay. It's tight end? Um, 
I don't. I I'm, I'm blanking. I don't have. I don't have a good enough memory for this. this, no, this is why it's great because it's the Texans and like why would we? Kick? And I don't think about the Texans very much. People are screaming uh, Owen Daniels. Owen, Owen Daniels. Daniels. Yeah. Dang. I should. I should know that too. So uh, their leading all-time kicker has 172 field goals. Next best has only 80. So in their history, they have one guy who dominates Houston Texans kicking. Do you know who that guy is? No. <laughs> I, 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 nor, I don't. Nor should anyone, really. It's uh, Chris Brown is the guy's name. I, that's Dominates. not even a name I know. I know. Isn't that hilarious? Like he I, it's worth pointing out that I am – when did the Texans become a franchise? 2000? Uh, Chris Brown, you would have been watching football. Don't try to play okay. this age nonsense. I'm you. young. Yeah, they – okay, played they, from 02 to 02. 2002, I was – I'm only five years older than the Houston Texans. You would – you would have been at least playing Madden by the time That's Chris true. Brown was still their kicker. That's so true. You can't have any excuses. Uh, last one. Now, this one I feel like you should get. Okay. Behind J.J. Watt, who is their all-time sacks leader. This is not a deep cut. This is not Owen okay. Daniels or Chris Brown. Is it Mario Williams? It is Mario the Williams. The guy who's first yeah. overall draft pick? All right. Yep. I, I maintained some respectability. I got a, I got a couple of these. You did. With extreme hints, you got the quarterbacks. And yeah. I don't blame you for not knowing Alfred Blue. I just thought maybe fantasy. I got Ben Tate, which is even solid. arguably a, a deeper cut as a Texans running back. I will give you a solid C on how okay. well you know the Texans. I'll say that's a passing grade. You know. I mean, no one's taking away your Northwestern degree because you don't know the <laughs> Texans. All right. So, uh, Will Reg, make know. sure you – you follow him on Twitter for both Vikings coverage and Twins sadness. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it was it was a rough uh, week. I don't know why I expected anything different, but <laughs> oh well. Yeah. But yeah, always fun coming on, on the pod. Thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully we get some more entertaining uh, football this weekend. All right, sounds good. Thanks for coming on, and we'll talk to you again on Purple Insider.